Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. This week on Southcrest Live with Dr. David Wilson, we continue our Sermon on the Mount study series. Christian, did you know that you are a person of influence? In Matthew 5, Jesus used the word pictures of salt and light to describe our influence in the world. But what specific purposes do we, being the only spiritual salt and light in our world, serve today? Let's find out together. Turn your Bible to Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, as we hear the Christian and the culture from Pastor David Wilson. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I'm going to tell you, the world didn't give that to you, and nothing can take it away from you. If you have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 5, first few verses we talked about being blessed. We call them the Beatitudes. And now this next section of the Sermon on the Mount, I've, I've entitled Tough Truth. Not necessarily today, but, but Jesus is about to say some very difficult, difficult things. But it is the truth. But today we're going to look at verses 13 through 16, where Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. God, help us to fulfill our function here on this earth, to be the salt and the light. We pray people would come to know you as the truth. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. In an old Peanuts cartoon, Peppermint Patty, who always calls Charlie Brown Chuck, she said, guess what, Chuck? First day of school, I got sent to the principal's office, and it's all your fault, Chuck. Charlie Brown says, how's it my fault? I couldn't be my fault. Why do you say everything is my fault? And she said, you are my friend, Chuck, aren't you? You should have been a better influence on me. Now, that sounds like a lot, a lot of people would say today, they always blame their sin. They always blame their lack of following God on someone else. But today, you and I are going to talk about the, the function that we have as believers. Chuck Colson wrote a book entitled Loving God many years ago, and he said, Christianity is not just a high-sounding ritual that we perform on Sundays. Christianity is abiding by biblical standards of personal holiness and in turn seeking to bring that holiness into the society in which we live. It's impossible. It's impossible to live out the standards of the Beatitudes 
in private. Did you know, you ever heard anybody say, well, my, uh, my walk with God is a private matter. Well, I understand what they're saying, but you cannot be a child of God in private. Not, per, not, not forever, because it's going to show, it's going to leak out. You're going to be different. If you could sum up this passage that I just read to you in one word as far as the responsibility of Christians, did you know it's influence? You are a person of influence. And God told us, and the scripture tells us, that we are to be people of influence. And it tells us exactly what we don't want to be. We don't want to be different. It tells us that. It doesn't mean we're supposed to be weird or odd or quirky. But we're going to be different when it comes to moral and spiritual things. It tells us that we're going to, be, we're going to stand out in a crowd. None of us really want to call attention to ourselves, but there's going to come a time when you're going to stand out because you refuse to stand where the world is standing. And so in these verses, these four verses, the Lord sums up what we are to be, and that is people of influence. Whether you know it or not, whether you consciously or unconsciously know it, you are affecting other people. And don't for a minute think, no one knows who I am. No one's watching me. There are more people watching you than you realize. Some you don't know. Some don't know you, but they're still watching you, whether at work or at home or in school, in your neighborhood. There are people watching you, and you are a person of influence. God said, you are the salt. You are the light. Now, before we talk about our function Let's first talk about our world, and I believe Jesus has a presumption here, and I call it presumed darkness. You know, our world is getting darker by the day. Now, I'm not talking about the sun's not shining, and I'm not talking about light as far as physical light, but mankind has increased in science, they've increased in medicine, they've increased in educational and psychological and technological knowledge to an amazing degree, but all man's knowledge, even though it's greatly improved, he is progressively degenerating. We're not getting better as people. I mean, we're smarter, and at least we think we are. We carry our brains around now in our hand, and you're only as smart as your phone is <laughs> and your ability to use that phone. But but, but, the, but the fact is we have more knowledge at our fingertips, whether it's true or not, it's all there. We've got a lot of knowledge at our fingertips. But all we've really done with all of our technological advances, we've made it easier for us to destroy ourselves. We've made it faster to be able to sin. We've, we've made it so much easier in order to hide things or to be involved in things that we normally wouldn't be involved in. We are living in a world that's getting darker. Now, some people say we're getting warmer. Some say not. I don't believe that we are. I believe there's a lot of cyclical changes, so I'm not one of those. I'm just not a Green New Deal person, trust me. I'm just not. I don't believe we're getting warmer. I already know how. Well, the, the world is going to be finished by global warming. <laughs> not in the sense they think. <laughs> it will be burned up one day. But the fact is, the world's getting darker. 
Mankind is getting darker. He's walking further and further away from God. Christians are under more attack today than they've ever been around the world at any time in history. And in this world of darkness, it's, it's the, the work of Satan. It is the domain of Satan. It brings God's penalty. Our darkness brings God's punishment and sin. And eventually, people are going to be separated from God eternally in outer darkness. It's like people, it's like we're lost in an abandoned mine. If you've ever gone down in a cave or a mine, you know it can get very dark there, but can you imagine getting lost in one of those and, the, and you're trying to find your way out, but the further, the more, you, the more turns you take and the more tunnels you go down, you just get lost, more and more lost and, and you can't find your way out. And that's the way people are today. They're looking for answers. They're looking for answers, but they're trying everything in the wrong place because they can't fill that God-shaped vacuum in their life. Only you, you can worship the creation. You can worship all the stuff. You can worship all kinds of things in this world, but it just doesn't satisfy. And Paul even described us that way at one time. For those of you who've come to know Jesus, listen to what he said in Ephesians 5.8. He said, for you once were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So we live in a world of darkness. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be penetrating disciples. We're supposed to push back the dark. We're supposed to punch holes in the dark. We are supposed to bring the truth to people. But did you know the world will not, the, the church cannot accept the world's self centeredness, its immorality, its sinfulness, and its materialism. We're supposed to be the ones that are preventing that from happening and slowing it down. Now, with that in mind, I want us to think about hey, Jesus calls us two things here. He said, first of all, you're salt and you're light. And, that, and really, I call it our identity in a world of decay and darkness. I want to call your attention to something in verse 13 and 14. It's written this way. You are the only salt of the earth. You are the only light in the world. No one else, only, only followers of Jesus. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. No one else is going to do it. No one else has the truth. No one else will proclaim the word of God. No one else follows Jesus. Amen. Either you're a, a believer or you're not. And if you're a believer, you are the only salt of the earth. You are the only light of the world. And the word is plural, which means it's not just a few people who are the salt. You are the salt. If you know Jesus, you're salt. If you know Jesus, you're light in your little part of the world. Now we think, well, we'll pay the experts to do all of that. No, Jesus said, you follow me, which Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We follow him. He said, now you're the light of the world and you're the salt of the earth. And it is emphatic. It's plural. It means you and you alone. And the word are focuses on what we are being instead of doing who you are you're a child of God you are the light of the world you are the salt of the earth and no one else is going to do that job y'all got that well so with that in mind we know our identity let's look at our impact in the world as disciples I got amused by the way of a, 
of a teacher that asked, um, she was telling the story of Lot in the days when Sodom and Gomorrah were being destroyed for, because of its sin and, and said that uh, Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. One little boy said, well, that's nothing. My mother looked back and turned into a telephone pole. <laughs> he didn't quite get it. <laughs> Let's talk about being salt. Salt is more of a hidden influence. Light is going to be more obvious. So let's talk about salt first. I call it the believer's covert influence. Salt. You may not think that's important. You may not think that it is very valuable. In fact, you're probably thinking, well, Jesus didn't call us something that was very valuable. But I want to tell you, in that day, it was very valuable. Uh, The Greeks called salt divine. Theon, they called it divine. The people inland had to barter for it. The people close to the sea always had plenty of it. Did you know that in those days, a Roman soldier's pay was partly given in salt? It was that valuable, and it was called salarium. We get our word salary from that word. It was given to a Roman soldier. Salt was that valuable. And that also, that phrase, when you hear somebody say, well, they're not worth their salt. It came from that because it was highly, highly valued. Uh, those little white crystals that come out of that salt shaker are vital to us today. There are hundreds of uses for salt. And a lot of people today do not understand how important salt is even in our own system. I know we're told that it's bad. We, we, we probably, well, we, there's no probably to it. We eat too much of it. But the fact is, you have to have salt in you in order to survive. As salt, the church is very valuable to the community. You would not want to live in a community where there was no Christians, where there were no Christians, no church. And when I use the word church today, I'm talking about um, Christians. We're the church. This building is not the church. We are the church. The last couple of days, we flew over to San Diego where we're going to help sponsor a new church plant there. And I know there's some, already some church plants there, and there, and there are a few churches in the area. But in general, when you go to places like Southern California, where it's very beautiful, uh, by the way, they say, I, I thought it was going to be warm. <laughs> it's warmer here than it is there. We nearly froze to death. <laughs> no, not to death, but we did get cold. But one thing you'll notice is that people, any beautiful part of the world, people worship the creation, but they don't worship the creator. And there's a difference in a community. I, I can just tell you that Christians have an influence I read a long uh, story of a, a small industrial plant in a small town that wanted to do some expansion, but they needed the city to grant them some exclusions. But the, but the city leaders didn't think, well, that, you're not, you, know, you don't have that much influence in our community anyway. And so what the, the plant owners did is they, gave, they paid all of their employees the next week in silver dollars. 
And they said, now we want you to use those silver dollars and as you go out in the community and you buy groceries and gasoline and things like that and you eat in the restaurants, pay with silver dollars. Well, it turns out that silver dollars showed, started showing up everywhere and the city leaders began to understand, you know what, that plant with all of their workers has a lot more influence in this community than we realize and they granted them the exclusions they needed in order to expand. Well, Christians are that way. Even though we're not walking around with a badge on us that says Christians, Christians have an influence in a community. We are supposed to be the salt. Now, when you think about salt, salt is used in different ways, but I want to focus on three quickly. First of all, it goes without saying, it makes stuff taste better. It's a condiment. Usually when you don't like food, you, you say it needs more salt. But I will tell you, there are some foods that salt won't even help. But for the most part, for the most part, a little salt will help, won't it? We'll grab more of it and put it on there. Uh, corn on the cob. By, by the way, speaking of corn on the cob, we caught a plane yesterday morning early. I mean early in California. We, the plane left at 7.15. Well, that's, you know, they're two hours behind us there. So it was early for us. And and we got on the plane, and we're just taking off. And I looked, and two rows ahead of me, there was a lady eating corn on the cob. <laughs> I'm not joking. And not only she did, she ate one, she ate two. <laughs> I'm thinking, that just doesn't sound like breakfast to me. <laughs> However, corn on the cob, you put butter on it, you put salt on it, you get through eating it. And the first thing you say is, that was great salt. <laughs> no. You say, I was great corn on a cob. Or French fries. You eat a bag of French fries and it's got salt on them. You don't, when you get done, you say, man, that was awesome salt. No, you are grateful for the French fries. You see, salt makes other food taste better. Christianity, Christians, add a distinct flavor to a community. They do. How, how, can, how is a Christian flavor distinctive? Well, we grieve like everyone else. We suffer like other people. But we have hope, don't we? There's something about those Christian people. They... Uh, they cry. They, they go through difficult times. They go through difficult circumstances. And, and, and it's not easy. And yet I see something about them that there's something different. Our community's different because of Christian people. It's supposed to be more caring and more loving. It, it, Christianity adds a distinctive flavor to the world. Because we have Jesus, because we've been saved, because we've been rescued. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. And because of that, I can look out to other people. Has a distinctive flavor. When we, even when we go through trials, we're never without hope. Salt was also connected with cleansing, purity. When a church, when the people of God are functioning in a community, there's going to be a cleansing effect. You see, we live in a world that 
is going down. The standards, the morality is going down. And if there's ever a group of people that will stand for truth and stand for right and what God says is right and what God says is wrong, it should be Christians. We shouldn't compromise. We are part of the cleansing effect. The standards of morality seem to be diminishing, and yet it's Christians who stand up and say, no, God says this. In ancient times, I've I've been told and read that sometimes they would put salt on a newborn baby, not to be cruel, but sometimes if there were any cuts or infections because of the primitive birth methods, the salt would heal that infection. And it was used to fight infection. And Christians have a responsibility of not only pointing out infection in our society, but offering the healing that comes only through Jesus Christ. Folks, we don't have a problem in this nation that wouldn't be set on the right track if people just followed God. If their hearts were changed. Ray Pritchard said that we who follow Christ are to be a moral disinfectant, stopping the spread of evil. We're to be the conscience of the community, speaking out for what is true and right. We're vital to a community. That's why we want the communities that don't have Jesus to have some Christians living there so they can begin to be the salt and the light. But salt is also used for conserving, for purifying. It it was used to keep things from going bad. They would salt meat in order to keep it from decaying so quickly and, and would use it to preserve things. And when the Lord characterized us as the salt of the earth, he's describing us as a function that keeps our society from becoming more putrid. Why do you think Christians are attacked today? Because we're in the way. We are the ones who will stand and say, God has a design for marriage. It's between a man and a woman for life. That's his standard. That's it. There's no variation to that. God tells us that taking innocent life is murder. There's no uh, no variation from that. God tells us that there are certain acts that are reserved for marriage. Sex is reserved for marriage between a husband and wife. There's no variation for that. But as the society says, you know what? We need them out of the way. Well, trust me, one of these days, we're going to be out of the way. The rapture is going to take us out. I happen to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And if you don't agree with me, well, love me anyway. But the fact is, when we're taken out and the tribulation begins, the restrainer has been removed, the Holy Spirit, then all hell will break loose on this earth. But right now, right now, we're supposed to be those that say wrong is still wrong, right is still right. To be salt, you don't have to be spectacular. You don't have to be sensational. You don't have to be successful by the world's standards. You just affect your little corner 
of the world. Be God's representative. It does matter where you go. It does matter who you support. It does matter when we get to pick our leaders. It does matter what those people we vote for believe and the platforms they stand on and so forth and so on. Folks, you and I are the conserving, preservative part of the society. That's the covert influence. We don't draw attention to ourselves. We're just part of a community that becomes more loving and, and stands for truth. But then there is a, a conspicuous influence, light. <laughs> when a room is dark, you're looking for light. You need, you know, light shows the way. It can give warnings. It, it provides comfort. We're the light. We're a light in a world of darkness. God's people are to proclaim God's light in this world that's engulfed in darkness. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says the God of this age has blinded the minds of those lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. People are blinded, blinded spiritually. They, they can't see. They're, they're wandering around wondering where is the hope? <laughs> This time of the year, we like the warmer weather, but what, along with that warmer weather comes a lot of bug guts. <laughs> Let's just put it out there bluntly. Those little rascals, they're drawn to the light. You're driving down the road at night and splat, 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 splat. Lost people, people without Jesus are going to be drawn to the people who have the light of the world. Why? Not because we're perfect. Not because we're better than them. But because we react in a way in this world that they don't understand. Christians can be persecuted. They can go through trials and difficult circumstances. But they have a peace that surpasses all understanding. They live in ways that, that people notice they're different. Sermons sometimes seem long. Some of y'all probably think then this one was long. Believe it or not, I, I should tell you this, sometimes pastors think they're long. It depends on the congregation. Because <laughs> some congregations can literally suck the life out of you. But, but there, one, one lady was sitting with her little girl in, in church, and, and, and children, they don't have the attention span that adults are supposed to have. Um, and I put the word supposed to have. She started talking, and her mother reached over and said, shh, I want to hear the sermon. Later that week, they were in the grocery store, and they ran into the pastor, and the pastor and the lady exchanged greetings and then as the pastor walked off she looked down at her daughter and said do you know who that was she said yeah it was the sermon <laughs> that's the way Christians are we are a sermon we are a living example of love and compassion and forgiveness we're the lights of the world in a world of darkness you don't hide the light 
He, he compared us to a city on a hill. If you go to Israel, there is a city way up on the hill. When you're down in the valley, you shit way up there on the hill. You cannot hide that city. Even during the day, the sun is glistening on the buildings. At night, the lights are on. It's never hidden. He said, you're the lights of the world. You don't, you're not going to be hidden in a world of darkness because when you live for Christ, you cannot do it privately. Which leads to what Jesus mentions as I call potential disaster. Did you know salt never does really lose its saltiness? If you put salt in a bowl and you stick it in a closet and you come back 10 years later, it's still salty. It doesn't change. Sodium chloride does not change the properties to change. So what does he mean, lose its saltiness? Well, salt doesn't lose its saltiness. It can just become so contaminated that it doesn't taste salty. And in and, and Palestine or Palestine or Israel, I should say, there's no Palestine. Palestine. That was a Roman term for that. There really is no Palestine. Uh, on the shores of the Dead Sea, it would be contaminated with gypsum and other minerals. It would be thrown out on the road. Makes good pavement. You and I cannot influence a world for purity if our lives are so contaminated they can't tell we're believers. Now, none of us are perfect. But the fact is that some people are so involved in the world that non-Christians don't even know they're Christians. You don't have to walk around speaking in these and thous, and you don't look down your nose at anyone, but there comes a time when you don't step across the line and be involved in immorality and involved in, in places and, and activities that are not pleasing to the Lord. Maybe we need to carry an ID badge so people will know we're Christians. You see... The church, instead of influencing society, has allowed society to influence the church. We're supposed to be the cleansing agent, but the now churches have been so contaminated by the world's philosophies that sin is no longer considered sin or called sin. Truth is not proclaimed. Jesus is no longer considered the only way of salvation. I read this week that one of the most conservative seminaries that was created many, many years ago now has a president doesn't even believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Now, folks, I'm telling you, it's happening all around us. I pray that South Christ will always be one of the bastions of truth and that you will always uphold Jesus Christ as the exclusive way of being saved. Jesus isn't saying we lose our salvation. He's just saying that you cannot influence for purity in the world if you've compromised your own purity. He said you, you cannot sting the world's conscience if we continually go against our own conscience. You cannot stimulate thirst for righteousness if you've lost your own righteousness. You cannot be used for God to slow down the corruption of sin if your own life has become corrupted in sin. And you can justify it all you want, but the fact is you cannot be part of the light and the salt if you are living so much like the world, they don't even know you love Jesus. There's no such thing as a secret disciple. 
because the secrecy will destroy the discipleship or the discipleship will destroy the secrecy. You can't be both. And so light is also in danger of becoming useless. Not that it loses its essential nature, but you can hide the light. Hide it. You ever seen those little glow-in-the-dark toys? Maybe you've got some of that stuff on your watch, so you get it under the light, and when the dark comes, it glows in the dark. One man bought his daughter one of those little glow-in-the-dark figures, and, and when she opened it up, it didn't glow in the dark. And she said, Dad, what's the matter with this? And so they looked at the instructions, and basically it said, if you want me to shine in the night, you've got to keep me in the light. That makes sense for you and me as lights in the world. If you want to shine for Jesus, then you need more than a weekly contact. You're not going to glow very much if you just come every now and then or if you just just stay close to Christ every now and then. The word weekly, W-E-E-K, weekly, a weekly contact makes a W-E-A-K Christian. But a daily contact makes a dynamic influence. Jesus is calling us to be audiovisual believers. The Christian seasoning is something to be tasted. The Christian's light is something to be seen. Charles Swindoll said, when you live in darkness, you not only have no ray of light, you don't even know where home is. That is the way it is for the majority in the world. Some folks are born, raised, and die in cultures that have never seen their first flashlight of hope. And when the truth of that hits me, I find myself a little impatient with Christians who do nothing to help spread the light, but for some of the most childish reasons, shine their light only for themselves. They have flashlight parties where they just shine light on each other. Salt that stays on the shelf does no good. A light that is hidden is a waste. You do not have to be mean. You do not have to be one of those people that draws attention to yourself. Quietly be be the salt of the earth. There will come a time, though, when you'll have to take a stand. There will. You can't keep it secret. And you don't have to be ugly about it. But you finally just say, you know what? I'm not going to be involved in this. I have some standards here. I think God is, this is the way the Lord will want me to live. I'm not condemning you, but this is the way the Lord will want me to live. They're going to notice. There are people watching you. You don't even realize it. They're watching. They really are. They're watching you how you go through grief. They're watching you how you walk through difficult circumstances. They're watching you as you're going through good times. They're watching you. Your children are watching you. Your grandchildren are watching you. And parents, don't think for a minute you can tell your children what to do and not do it. They're watching. But you can't stand for Christ if you've got sin in your own life. And some of you know you do. You've got, you've got areas you've compromised. And you, but Jesus said, look, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works. Now, that word good works means a beautiful life. A beautiful life. They see your beautiful life and they give glory to who? 
God makes something beautiful out of people's lives. Somebody ought to write a song about that. They see your attractive, beautiful life. And like, this is my analogy, lights drawn to your headlights on your car. I say, you know what? They've got something. I I want that too. And they say, what have you got that I don't have? And you say, Jesus. Jesus, only Jesus can do that. Church will not make you a beautiful person. Religion won't give you a beautiful life. Baptism won't even give you a beautiful life. Faith in Jesus Christ and commitment to him forgives you of your sin. You know what God calls you? A child of God. He says you're a child. He says you're forgiven. He says that now, now let your beautiful life show. Just live for me. Just love me. Love other people. Just like I loved you, love other people. They're going to see your beautiful life. They'll be drawn and glorify God. You have influence. Right now, you may not think you do. You may think you can just disappear. I want everybody to leave me alone. I don't want to be around anybody. Sorry. While you're here on earth, you can't do that. You've got a corner of influence. And the only way you can have a beautiful life is God makes it that way. You can't earn it. I wish I could give it to you, but I can't. You ask God to forgive you. See, God takes this sinful, ugly, dying life and forgives you, washes you clean, puts his spirit in you, the Holy Spirit, Jesus in you, and he makes something beautiful out of your life. And now, it's like light in the dark and it's like salt in society. It's never the same again. Let's pray. Thank you, Pastor David. In our exposition of Matthew 5, 13 through 16, we noticed three key things. First, the acknowledgement of a world in darkness. Second, the fact that our identity in this world as salt is a more subtle influence, bringing flavor, cleansing, and preservation of truth to our culture. Our identity as light is more conspicuous as we serve as God's witnesses, a living sermon to the world. Finally, we discovered a word of warning about the potential of spiritual salt losing its influential qualities should it become contaminated. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Be sure to catch our next installment of the Southcrest Live podcast. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.